the SHSS podcast. Let's talk learning. Today we welcome Ambassador Collins from the Vatican. Tell us a little about yourself. Good morning, girls. I am originally from a farm between Clonity and Timleek. I am currently Ireland's ambassador to the Holy See. I took up this job in October last year, and I will be doing this job until 2026. I've worked for most of my career in the Department of Foreign Affairs, but I have also worked in the Department of Health and the Department of Social Welfare. And I also spent two years working with the European Union. I am currently living in Rome. I enjoy traveling, walking, listening to podcasts, and I am delighted that this is the first one that I'm going to feature on. So thank you very much for inviting me to participate today. What is your best memories from your school days? Oh, that's that's a difficult one. I think I'm very fortunate that I really enjoyed school and I think I enjoyed the social side of school perhaps more than the academic side. Though, of course, there were a number of subjects which I was deeply interested in. I think I enjoyed the crack. I have my close friends are from school are still my close friends to this day. And it's difficult to really pick out a memory. But I think as a lot of, I think your other guests have said, transition year is very much a memorable school year because I think you get to bond with your with your whole year group and you get to do things that you don't necessarily get to do. So definitely a high point for me was Captain Lee. I'm not a sporty person. I'm not an athletic person, but I think it really gave me the opportunities to test my boundaries. Though I have to say my attempt at abseiling didn't really go very well and did result in a mini rescue. But I'm here to tell the tale and that's the most important thing. What did you study in college and why? I was very fortunate in school, really from primary school onwards. I really enjoyed history and I also was very interested in politics and current affairs. And my mother would really have encouraged us to kind of study in college what we were interested in doing and what we liked. So it was really a no-brainer for me. It was always going to be history and politics. What was more challenging was deciding where to study. And I decided to study in the University of Limerick for two reasons. And that was because they had study abroad period called the Erasmus programme, which was compulsory. And this is where you go to study in another European university for six months. And I was really interested in getting out there and seeing the wider world. So this really was a great opportunity. And then the other aspect of the course, which really drew me to it, was the nine month work experience in the course. And I was able to work in the Department of Health for nine months, part of that course. So it really gave me an insight into what careers you can pursue. Because when I was growing up and you told people you wanted to do arts, they would often say, oh, do you want to be a teacher? Now, I have two sisters who who are teachers, and it is definitely a career that interests me. But I have to say, I kind of thought there must be more out there in terms of an arts degree. So I felt that the University of Limerick with the co-op placement gave me an opportunity to explore that. Tell us about your early years in the Department of Foreign Affairs. So when I joined the Department of Foreign Affairs, I was assigned to the to Irish Aid, which internally we call the Development Cooperation and Africa Division. And I worked in the Public Information and Development Education Unit. 
my initial job was actually on a scholarship program and this is where Irish Aid gives scholarship to study at postgraduate level, so not at degree level, but at master's level to mid-career professionals in African countries predominantly who are partners. So it could be government officials or it could be people working for NGOs who are, who are at a certain point of their career in order to build their capacity. And then I also worked on development education programs and public information programs, which would communicate to the Irish public about the Irish aid program and about development issues more broadly. After that, I worked for two years in the humanitarian unit. And that was one of the most interesting jobs I think I had. Also difficult, together with my team there, I worked on humanitarian crisis, for example, in the Central African Republic, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, in South Sudan, also in the Philippines. And then in 2017, I went to work in our embassy in Uganda, which was a great experience and I really enjoyed it. And I have great colleagues and friends from that time that I'm still in contact with today. Your present position aside, what has been your most memorable experience as an ambassador so far? It's been a real privilege to work for the Department of Foreign Affairs. And I think one of the key things about it is that the work can be so varied. But I think the high point or, you know, one of those pinch me kind of moments that I had was in August last year, I was a member of our delegation on a conference to do with nuclear weapons at the United Nations in New York. And I delivered a number of statements in the UN General Assembly Hall on behalf of Ireland. So that definitely was a memorable moment. Also, I think working for the European Union on the South Sudan peace process was also, you know, a really important moment for me in, in my career. And, you know, knowing that you're there and you're speaking on behalf of 27 EU member states and that you have the backing of 27 EU member states is very, very memorable. And I think what both of those moments have in common as well is that you're speaking from a very principled position in the interest of humanity and the planet. So those two moments are definitely moments that I carry with me and, and I treasure. Can you explain what the Holy See is about? I can. It's a tough question, but I will try and communicate it in the simplest terms possible. So maybe in the interest of simplicity, I mightn't get everything completely right. But essentially, the Holy See is the government of the Roman Catholic Church, which is, of course, led by the Pope. And the Holy See makes decisions on a whole range of church matters, for example, in terms of worship, religious education, missionary activities, the doctrine of the church, the appointment of bishops and clergy. And then, of course, you have the external dimension to that governance, which is the relations with other states in the system. So that would be the, I suppose, the body of the church that I would interact the most with. And that would be the secretary, secretariat of relations with state and international organizations. 
loosely speaking, in terms of the administrative structure, we would maybe describe the Pope as the President and the Secretary of State, Cardinal Parolin, as the Prime Minister. And then we would refer to the Secretariat of Bilateral Relations with State as the Foreign Minister. But of course, the Holy See itself has what we term in international law or international speak sovereignty. But actually, the territory is the Vatican and is the Vatican city state. So the Holy See exists on, you know, really in terms of an institutional basis rather than the actual territory, because the actual territory is the Vatican city state. So I hope that goes some way in explaining it. Could you describe a typical day at the Vatican? I would say that there is, first of all, no such thing as a typical day at the Vatican because there's so many different events and different things happening. And it is, as I just described, very different to, you know, another country that you could be ambassador to. So maybe the simplest way is kind of to give an overview maybe of my current week. So, for example, on Monday, I attended a conference on fragility and states in Africa. And then I also attended another conference on Tuesday in relation to war and peace in the modern world. And that was very much focused on Ukraine. And then on Wednesday, I attended an international congress, which was attended by ministers of justice from various countries on the death penalty. Monday evening, I also attended a dinner in the UK ambassador's residence, where I met with a representative from their foreign office and development agency. I also attended a concert from the Kharkiv Orchestra, a benefit concert for Kharkiv, which you will have heard about in terms of Russia's war in Ukraine. And these events in themselves are really, really interesting events. But actually, there's another element to these events because you're also meeting people, you're gathering intelligence from various country situations and various issues. So then I have to take the information that I gather from these events and I have to report back to headquarters in Dublin. So I always say that being ambassador to the Holy See is like what the work our colleagues do in UN missions or, or embassies. It is really a window of the world. So you get the full range of foreign policy issues and also different country contexts. St. Patrick's Day is coming up. That's a real big moment in the calendar for every embassy overseas. We're very fortunate that we're having a visitor for the minister a visit by the Minister of Europe, Peter Burke, is coming to Italy and the Holy See. So very much working with my team around the programme for that visit and setting up bilateral meetings with him. And then, of course, as an ambassador, I'm also responsible for the effective functioning of the embassy. So my time is also spent on issues such as human resources, accounting, communication. So in any given day, you can be doing very, very different things, but all super interesting. How does it feel to be the second woman appointed to this position? I have to say, I think for anyone, it's such a privilege and honour to be appointed as ambassador. And I don't think I feel, or at least I don't think I feel any different about it as anyone else. It is, you know, that deep sense of, of honour, privilege and, and pride I suppose as a woman, 
here, you're very conscious that the people that I interact with the most are mostly men. So you, you are reminded, you know, that you are a woman because at the other side of the table, you see mostly men. So compared, I suppose, to maybe some other countries, there's more men evidence here than anywhere else. But I think, you know, the Department of Foreign Affairs has itself made great strides in terms of diversity and is a champion of gender equality in the multilateral state. In the multilateral context, in terms of the UN and advocating for gender equality, but also in terms of our bilateral relations with other countries, and here is no different. And I suppose I'm especially proud that this summer, majority of ambassadors overseas for the first time will actually be women. So I think that is, you know, very strong where the department is matching its advocacy on diversity and gender equality with kind of internally as well progressing gender equality within the Department of Foreign Affairs. So I think that's something I'm very proud of to see happening. Do you meet Pope Francis often? This is a question I get asked quite a lot. And I also get asked quite a lot about whether I can set up meetings with Pope, which the answer is no. In terms of meeting the Pope, on a one-to-one basis, typically you will meet him at the start of your posting. So this is when you present your credentials. You hand over letters to the Pope to say that you are the government's representative to the Holy See. And in handing over those letters, that is the moment that you become ambassador. So at that time, you have a private audience with the Pope. So you meet him one-on-one and you have a conversation with him. And then you meet him again one-on-one at the end of your four years. So at those two points, you're guaranteed to meet him. Then, of course, during the posting, if President Higgins, for example, decides to visit the Holy See, or if the Taoiseach decides to visit the Holy See, then we will request a meeting or the word or the language that's used, an audience with the Pope. And then I will, of course, accompany them. There's various times of the year as well where the Pope will meet, Pope Francis will meet members of the diplomatic corps. So we will meet him as a group. So that's in January in his New Year address. He will brief us on his views on foreign policy issues more broadly, what's happening in various countries around the world on particular issues which are important to him, for example, like climate change or nuclear weapons. And at that meeting then, at the end of that meeting, we will go up one by one and we will meet and greet Pope Francis. And then there are various masses which he will celebrate or preside over and we will be there as the diplomatic corps. So there are, I would say, a lot of opportunities to be in his presence, but that one-in-one engagement is less frequent than maybe most people imagine, but it's probably more, I would say, more regular than maybe in other countries, to be fair. Any future plans? As I was saying earlier, what's really great about being a diplomat or working in the Department of Foreign Affairs is that our jobs change every three or four years. For example, my previous job was working on nuclear weapons issues. And before that, I was obviously working in the embassy in Uganda 
and I was working on humanitarian issues. So every three or four years, our job changes. So in terms of future plans, there are certainly other areas of the department's work that I would love to to work in. I'd love to, at some stage in my career, work on Northern Ireland issues. I'd love to work on climate change issues. I have to say I loved serving in Africa. I would love to, at some stage in the future, go back and serve as an ambassador to possibly an East or West Africa. So just a bunch at the same time, you don't always get to choose exactly where you want to go or what you want to work on. But I know the work of the department is so interesting that I will enjoy working in the department. I'm currently also, last year I went back to do further study. So I'm currently doing a postgrad with King's College London on global security. And that's really, I kind of felt that I wanted to gain a better understanding what the current issues are in terms of security, not just looking at it from the sense of military or defensive security, but also understanding the implications that, for example, the COVID pandemic has for security or climate change has for security. So looking at that broader kind of dimension of security. So that's something I hope to finish in the next couple of years. Of course, we're on the move a lot as diplomats and you do spend a lot of time separated from your family. So I'd like to be able at some point to spend more time at home with my mothers, with my siblings and with my four wonderful nephews and nieces, Tomas, Sean, Aideen and Quiva, just to give them a bit of a shout out because I think they'll appreciate that. Do you have a hero? There's so many people that you do admire, but I've chosen to answer that for somebody closer to home. And as I said earlier, one of the most interesting jobs I had, one of the most challenging but rewarding jobs I had was working in the humanitarian unit. And I have a lot of respect for people, whether they be, you know, Irish people or also people from countries who respond in you know, humanitarian emergency situations and who have put themselves in harm's way to kind of, as we say, save lives and alleviate suffering. And we had the sad example recently of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, where 27 members of Gold lost their lives. And it's such huge admiration for, for those people and somebody from our own hometown, Nelly Kingston, who works for Concern, and whose father actually taught me in the Sacred Heart Secondary School and whose mother also did some training with us when we were in transitional year. But I only met Nelly when I was in South Sudan is somebody who inspires me. She has worked in very difficult countries like South Sudan, Bikini Fatal and Bangladesh just is somebody in terms of her dedication to her work, her willingness to go out there and respond the needs of people. So Nelly is a good friend of mine and somebody who I really respect. And I think if I wasn't, you know, a diplomat and maybe if I was a bit braver, I think I I would have considered a career in the humanitarian world. What's your favorite motto? It's one that I that actually a Norwegian colleague said to me when I was in South Sudan and it was the Christmas of 20 
2017, which was my first Christmas there, but it was it was quite a difficult time because the ceasefire still hadn't been signed in South Sudan. The peace process wasn't particularly going that well. And, you know, we were all rather despondent. And she sent me a Christmas card and in the Christmas card, and I think I included this in the alumni piece that I did for you last year or the year before, but it is, and above all else, watch with glittering eyes the whole world around you, because the greatest secrets are always hidden in the most unlikely places. Those who don't believe in magic will never find it. So I think that was something which really inspired me at the time, that no matter how difficult things need to appear to be, you know, there is magic to be found, there's hope to be found, there's joy to be found. And I think that's something which I really took away from my time in Africa, in East Africa and Uganda and South Sudan. You know, amongst people there, there is a real sense of joy about life, no matter how difficult things are. So I think also it, it kind of says to me, always be curious about the world, you know, be outward looking, go out there, travel, see what's out there, look beyond yourself and you will find, you know, magic, you will find reward and you will find amazing, amazing people. What advice would you give your teenage self? What I always say to young people, sometimes we have groups here who comes to the embassy and people always ask, you know, about career or life. There's always a risk when you're in school that you'll see things, okay, I do my junior search, I do my leaving search, then I go on and I do further study or I might do vocational training and then I get a job and then I do this and that. And there's always a risk that we will see life in a very linear way. But actually, it isn't like that at all. And I know in my own career, sometimes it looks to people like, okay, it was a very straight road. It actually wasn't. There were times that I had to take two steps back in order to take one step forward. And I think you can overly focus. You know, it's important to, to focus, to work hard, to do the best you can do. But I think it's also no matter what job or task you're given to do, always find the opportunity in that to develop your skills and to take advantage of the opportunity that that presents. So I would say, you know, enjoy life, be kind to people. I think one thing in life is, you know, it doesn't cost anything to be kind to people. But I, I definitely think, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself because there's more than one way. If you really want to do something, there's more than one way to do it. There's always different routes into something. And I, I would certainly have found that in my career. And I think people who know me in the department and my close friends know that I had to try a number of different routes to get where where I was today. So you don't always see things in a linear way. Life is not linear, you know. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. And I am a fan of the podcast. I listen to the Global News Service every morning, but it always goes on in the Sacred Heart Secondary School podcast. So well done. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>